This is Alicia Free, a badass belly dancer, musician, and real food enthusiast, here to help you feel a little lighter. Each show will dive into music that makes us want to dance. We'll share secrets of looking smoking hot in costume and everyday life. We'll dote on delicious whole food that makes us glow. And I'll throw in a damn sexy dance move you can try at home. Sienna Ariel started dancing around 2009 in Southern Florida. After a series of back injuries, she added functional dance conditioning, including bar, Pilates, and functional flexibility, in addition to our belly dance class offerings. You offer a special mix of art and athleticism in your dance performances and classes. Tell us about that. I came into belly dancing with a fitness background and not a dance background, and it helped me to float instead of to sink. Like the fact that I had a fitness background really did help me with body awareness. So when I did start taking dance classes as an adult, I was able to kind of hang and have endurance and then work on the fluidity and the lines and all that. But I believe that you can't train dance by dancing. You have to train in another way. There needs to be some kind of foundational functional strength in your body for your dance to grow. I started my fitness career pretty young because my mom is an instructor, teaching stuff like Zumba and kickboxing and cycling. And as I've grown and dealt with my injuries and my body changing and dancing at the same time, it ended up being like too much of cardio and strength. And you need something to balance your body and balance your practice. And I think things like functional training and flexibility and just posture, like it doesn't have to be like hardcore workouts or hardcore exercise, but you cannot better yourself as a dancer without a strong body foundation and a flexible body. Or, you know, maybe you can, but you won't be able to necessarily express yourself the way you want to. That's my experience. The things that I want to express in the music, I need that Pilates foundation. I need the strong core and the posture and the endurance for my arms to look a certain way and the endurance to stay in relevant for a long time and have lines. Our community in belly dance, sometimes dancers miss that part and it's like, we want to get to the dancing part. And yes, the dancing part is fun and it looks nice and it's great. If you invest a little bit of time into the conditioning part of it and strengthening and changing your body and body awareness and posture, you will be able to do so much more fun things with your dance. And to me, that's everything. I want my dance to look different. I want people to see me in three years and five years and eight years and be like, wow, you really improved or wow, you look like a totally different dancer. It's like I'm able to express myself more. Like I have a desire to reach goals and to get there, you need a strong foundation, not just because it's my job, but I really think, you know, having an athletic body and that doesn't mean thin or whatever, but just moving your body or conditioning your body in a way that will carry you strongly, right? Strong internal core muscles. It's just going to help you to look better and look more fluid and to be able to do what we want. Like when I'm training people or when I'm training myself, especially recently, I think a lot about the why. Like, why am I going to do this not fun workout? Like, why am I going to commit this time to training and fitness? We usually as dancers have different whys, but if you really consider that, it's like, oh, well, I want to be able to dance like this, or I want to be able to not have back aches. You know, there's different whys and reasoning that will help us to stay committed to something that maybe isn't the fun stuff. <laughs> right. You just made me realize I was taking for granted that I do Pilates like I think five out of seven days a week since two years after I started dancing. Mm -hmm. You know, like how much that's made possible for me. 
how many different movements are possible because of my core and because of my push-ups and because of all of those things that I do so often. The dance moves are just the dance moves, but that foundation that your body has and the body awareness, it allows you to pick up the stylization and express it the way you want to, right? So that's the training. <laughs> and it's really fun, especially with belly dancers, where you can see the muscles working in all different body types. Yes. Exactly. The different body types, but having that strength is everything and it prevents injury. <laughs> right. In some ways, what could be more important than having a physical practice where it prevents injury and it allows you to move in a way you want to move? Yeah. And that's the why. A lot of people come into belly dancing with zero fitness background. They did it because they wanted to get fit or because it was fun. And I realized, oh, wow, I'm able to hang a lot of times when I was doing these level three Salonpour workshops and the fact that it's very physically demanding. And I was like, thank God that I have some kind of fitness and body awareness. Like it makes all the difference. Great points. Great. And just a note too, we're recording this podcast at the end of May in 2020 at some point in the coronavirus pandemic. So we're going to be talking more about that throughout this as well. Back in 2013, you co-founded Hype Dance Studio in Southern Florida, and it's no longer an active studio. It's no longer part of your life, but it looked like such a fun, high energy business. What did that business teach you about dancing and about having a business? So I think altogether, I was in the studio business for about nine years and it's hard. You know, like I always tell people when they want to venture into that, that it is definitely like a ball and chain in a lot of senses. And it has to be like a labor of love because it does take a lot out of you to stay engaged and give your all to your members and also make maintain this overhead depending on what your space is. I definitely learned what my values are as an instructor, what's just important to me in general, and the types of offerings that I want to offer and how I want to have an effect. So when I first started, it was a lot easier to fill studios. So it was a lot easier to maintain this overhead or having like a larger space, even though it's still a ton of work and a lot of commitment. You have to show up and be there. But then the last few years, the technology boom or like the internet boom really shifted the business and it just became very, very saturated. So when it got to the last three years that we had the studio, everything was kind of moving online. It just didn't make sense to have such a big overhead, especially because I wanted to start traveling more and investing in other parts of my business, my entertainment business, and not teaching as much. I still teach a lot, but it just got to the point where I saw the change in my industry and I kind of wanted to move along with it. And so when I decided to not renew the lease, we closed in April of 2019. And what a good decision that was because the pandemic happened this year and now everything really is online. And so at that point, I honestly didn't have any reservations about closing. Like I was done. I had a good nine years of having that commitment. <laughs> but you know, even if the pandemic didn't happen, the studio industry right now is definitely a struggling one. And it's hard. It's hard for people because it's really saturated. You have gyms and a ton of studios and then online things are booming and people are just seeing a lot of different options. So it would definitely be something that I'd be open to doing again, but I'm really excited about being able to go in and teach a class and then leave and not think about it again. Now it's great. Like I've been 
teaching online, mostly privates. And now I'm going to be doing online live group classes and pre-recorded stuff. Um, it's kind of nice. Like it makes me never want to leave my house again to work ever. I mean, I still will, but it's been nice for me. And I really like having less of an overhead, but still being able to connect with those students in the way I want. So... Oh, yeah. So you're talking about studios and how the industry has shifted. What do you think about the future of dancing in restaurants and private parties? So aside from my teaching job, which I teach full time, I am a working belly dancer. I actually work as an entertainer. That is my job. And I've been doing it for about 11 years. And I have my weekly restaurants and I do private parties. You know, everything was great. And then the COVID-19 pandemic happened and everything thing shut down. All the gyms, all the studios, all the classes, and all the restaurants. You know, people don't really want you dancing around sweating in their food. Even now that the restaurants are starting to open back up, I definitely see me and my colleagues not necessarily ever going back to dancing in between tables the way we were. And I'm actually okay with it. I think it will allow us to make the rules the way we want them. Because I think you just get caught up in a drift or you just get caught up in the hustle or the repetitive nature of every Friday and Saturday just going and dancing for 15 minutes and we all have the desire to create art and you don't always necessarily feel fulfilled when you're doing it as a job (laughs) you know I definitely think that one of the cons of being a professional entertainer is it infringes on your fun hobbyist side you know being able to do the dances and the things you love because you're kind of doing what sells because you're making a living that way So to me, as much as I miss performing, I kind of think it's a big opportunity for the entertainment industry for us to kind of like reset some rules. I think it's going to really change things because we'll be able to really showcase our quality of shows because if we're offering, you know, social distancing shows, we are losing that element of audience participation in the way that we've done it in the past which has been a big part of it like really people don't really care to see you dance they really just kind of want you to come in and dance between tables and like do a funny little dance and you're kind of there just to have fun and get people up to dance which is great I love audience participation I'm like a big ham and I think that's why I've done really well (laughs) because I don't mind not taking myself super seriously and being a clown but I am also really looking forward to that not even being an option so people can't even request like the whole hora loca crazy hour or silly shows like we'll actually have an opportunity to work on our craft and give a different offering it's going to have to be of different or more entertainment value because we can't just go in and improv and make people have fun if we're going to be selling shows it's going to have to be us standing there by ourselves entertaining people for x amount of time so you know i think that is going to change things in my industry a lot but i'm actually excited for that change because i think it's going to give us an opportunity to really have to get creative (laughs) you know how are we going to market this now and we're putting so much more effort into these shows like are we going to be able to demand the rates that are going to be fair like even just rewriting our contracts you have to have a certain amount of space you have to have a staging area in the past we do shows and you pretty much show up and you're dancing on like gravel in between couches and a coffee table or you're dancing in a restaurant where there's literally no space (laughs) and you kind of just do it because that's how it's been and those are the jobs that have been available so I'm kind of excited to see in six months or in eight months putting ourselves out there in a way where we're like okay you have to respect these spacing boundaries and you have to respect 
the social distancing or even if we don't have the social distancing in place, like I said, I don't think it's going to go back to where it was before, where we were literally like sweating over people's food. I don't think that's going to ever really go back because I think people are just going to be more conscious now. Maybe we'll be able to demand where there's a stage or at least a dance floor where there's a six by six or a 10 by 10 space available and people can't just come into your space and start dancing with you on the dance floor. So I don't know. I think to me, I'm just kind of going with the flow because no choice like no choice. (laughs) We'll just see how it is. But I really don't see it going back to at least what we were doing here in South Florida with the restaurants. I think it's going to not go back to being the same. Because the dancers aren't going to feel comfortable either. Like we have a couple of restaurants that are reopening now and we're going to be wearing masks. So now just figuring out how to bling out these masks and wear face coverings and make them look cute like jewelry. And, you know, we have to breathe under there doing a 15, 20 minute show. And, you know, it's going to be different. I'm really excited to see that though. And just demanding that people respect our space. Because I think I've done a couple of shows since the pandemic and you're in the middle of the show and then somebody from the audience tries to walk up to you and dance with you and you have to be like um reminder please don't come near me like it's kind of awkward so just setting those reminders ahead of time (laughs) has to go in the contract and if we don't feel comfortable we need to be able to like have a plan of action to stay in character stay professional but still feel safe and comfortable for ourselves and for our clients so it's a lot Tiana has an amazing video of her dancing in the park. I think it was near the beginning of COVID, right? And you've got, you know, people standing around the perimeter. And I think you're playing the music out of a car and just having a great time taking up all this wonderful space in the park and people get excited to see live entertainment that's at a safe distance. I just thought that was so cool when you did that. It was, it was great. I got the opportunity to do a 18th birthday party social distancing show right at the beginning of the phase one. So I guess it was like sometime in May. It was definitely awkward. Like, you know, I made it look really fun and cute in the video, but it was kind of drizzling. And I think the clients ended up being really happy. But again, it was like, how do you, handle audience participation it's definitely an opportunity to offer something new and different it was actually in front of someone's house and they had a cul-de-sac so I sat out in my car until they started the music and then I kind of like ran from behind a bush and started dancing and like I said the behind the scenes we're just finagling and trying to do something new and different but it was super fun and I think they loved it and I'm looking forward to developing these new and different show options for people and hopefully we can sell a lot of entertainment in this new way but we'll see we'll see how it goes we really don't know anything that's gonna happen right now so I think just being open to whatever comes and believing that it's gonna be great even better than before hopefully we'll see (laughs) so it's a great perspective there's nothing else we can do right I mean we can't just dote on the past the glory you know what's the point totally (laughs) true the glory days it's like okay that was fun now we gotta move on and figure out this work because for me it's my job and it is also my hobby and my life like it encompasses a lot of my life so I'm always thinking of the why you know why am I doing these super awkward shows where people are kind of just treating you like you are a lamp and they're not really looking they're on their phones it allows me freedom to be able to train like I always try to think about my why you've danced for 20 years so of course you have moments where you're questioning why am I doing this why did I choose this as a life (laughs) or a hobby and yeah the ones who are really in it for certain reasons they stick with it no matter what happens (laughs) 
pandemic or 9-11, no matter what it is, the people that are in it just because of the need, like it's not just a dance, not just a job, it's not just a hobby. It, it truly is a thread in your life that you grow with. It's not something that I'll ever give up. <laughs> so yeah. Well said, Sienna. I'm going to ask you about Zumba because we actually mentioned Zumba in a lot of the episodes. Mm-hmm. We talk about how people's expectations of what a dance class is going to be has changed so much because of Zumba. Yeah, Zumba is a dance fitness class. It's not a dance class. Like I try to explain it to people like it's dance cardio. It's super fun. And it's a good workout. You can just shake it. You have a lot of more liberties and freedoms. And I think if you put it into perspective for what it is, like I don't think it's the same thing. I know it has affected the dance industry but when I explain my classes even belly dancing because I mean there's belly dance cardio and then there's a belly dance class you know and I think a lot of times maybe people come in expecting a cardio dance class where they can just come in and be free and do whatever they want and the movements are going to be really repetitive and it's going to be four and eight counts and that's fine I try to be very clear that that is dance cardio and there's nothing wrong with it but that is not a dance class I had dance cardio background but that didn't mean when I started belly dancing that I didn't need to go and stand in front of a bar and do those dance conditioning warm-ups so that I could do a turn and learn to spot and learn certain things that you're not going to get in a dance cardio class it's totally different it's not on the same plane (laughs) but they both have value it depends on what your goals are what's your why do you want to just have fun for an hour and blow off some steam then there is that product for you If you want to improve as a dancer and change and perform and say something a little bit deeper, hello, take a dance class and slow down and learn it. It's the same with other kind of fitness too. You said you have a Pilates background, but a lot of times people are like, oh, yoga is boring or Pilates is boring, especially the Zumba people and the people who want to do the fun, fast paced stuff. And it's like, yeah, well, slowing down and getting more in touch with your body and your body awareness is going to help you to be able to follow or to improve and I think a lot of people that take dance cardio they take it for a few years and then they burn out or they get bored or they don't feel improvement or they get injured and then they blame the dance class and it's like no it was the lack of body awareness and you have to be balanced you can have fun and do fun things but I do think it's important to have a foundation and have body strength and improve (laughs) if you're doing something for years and years and it's never changing or getting better then where's the value in that unless that's what you want to do is just have fun and not really change. Then that's fine too. Have fun and go at it, but also don't call yourself a professional. <laughs> right. Oh, that was great. Thank you. That distinction. There's a cardio aspect or there's an art aspect. Do you want to express yourself or do you want to blow off some steam? So yeah. And label it as such. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. One class is probably not going to do it all for you. <laughs> it's going to be different parts of your education. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Danceable ritual. Do you have a danceable ritual you would like to share? I am not ritualistic. I would love to be more ritualistic. I am kind of a hot mess. I wish I was more organized in that way. But I guess if I had to think of any dance rituals, I work on my feet a lot. Like I feel like when I'm just kind of in the grocery store waiting in line or around the house, I go into releve a lot. I stretch my feet and ankles a lot and balance and posture. To me, I guess that does drive the dance because I didn't have a ballet background. So I, I think I'm always kind of working on my feet. And shimmies. I'm always vibrating and shimmying and sometimes out in public. And I feel like that's kind of probably a funny one, but 
my boyfriend will usually call me up and be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, usually shaking, shaking my tail feathers. <laughs> like if you're in line somewhere? Yeah. I'll totally be doing glute squeezes or just, you know, shimmying in public and at home and in bed even. I'll be doing isolations literally in bed. You have a danceable ritual you do in your sleep. <laughs> Actually, I will run through choreography in my head in bed. Like when I'm laying there in bed trying to fall asleep or just resting before sleep, I will go through a full choreography in my head. And I feel like it's like those athletes that run through their course and their mind and it helps somehow solidify it. And I'm like, I know if I can think through this whole choreography that it's in my head and it'll come out. I guess that's maybe one of my weird rituals I didn't think of that I do. That's a good one. I have a, an interview with Casey Chai that she talks about choreographing in the shower. Yeah. Every morning she takes a shower and she choreographs in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. whatever works, man, right? Yeah, we're such weird creatures. I know so many people that are super organized and I'm like, oh, I wish I could be like that. You know, like Yvonne's like that. And I know Rachel George will do her rituals at three in the morning or like just these awesome organized dancers. And that is so not me. I'm just like, oh my God, I totally procrastinated and didn't practice today. So now I'm in bed and I'm just gonna like, let me see if I could just remember this whole thing. But so Somehow, it probably helps me <laughs> to remember. You know, I've been thinking about that. I don't know if you've ever listened to the Belly Dance Bundles, Tiffany, and a lot of her podcast. She's all about your daily practice. And I'm like, I don't need to practice belly dancing every day. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not a professional. I just love to dance and I dance with my band, but I'm not going to beat myself up about it. Not everything is for everybody, you know? And I think that's a good point, like you said, to just not beat yourself up about it because as much as we would like to continue grow and try to get good practices and habits. Not everybody needs the same amount of practice or socialization. And even in my fitness life, that has to be sustainable. Oh, I'm going to train two hours every day, blah, blah, blah. Like that might work for some people, but that don't work for me. And I know a lot of people yeah. work for, and then they get guilty and end up doing nothing. And it's like, just do something that's sustainable. Right. Because <laughs> then you might just start doing a dance form that's completely different that you're excited about. So you can train for two hours a day for that year. And then you move on to something else. I've been dancing for 20 years and I feel like part of that is I've forgiven myself so much and I've just enjoyed it so much you know when I do dance like with eating sometimes we eat super healthy and we exercise all the time and we're dancing and we're training and we're doing these workshops and then literally you'll have six or eight months or a year even that it's not that way and you totally lag off and if you can't forgive yourself for that or you just think that's it and you give up like no life happens if it's really a lifestyle for you whether you're a hobbyist or a professional if it's your life you're not giving it up no matter what you do have to learn to be kind to yourself without being too indulgent. I give myself plenty of time to slack off, but I definitely have learned to try to differentiate like, okay, now you're just being indulgent and like get stuff done. Just do it. <laughs> we can't feel guilty for being not those ones who are, <laughs> I have my practice every day. Like, good for you. That's not me. It's fine. I'm okay with it. <laughs> And then I'm like, oh, is it because I have a three-year-old? I'm like, no, I didn't yeah. do that before I had a three-year-old. And I still don't do it. So that is, <laughs> got to make it work for me. <laughs> Danceable song.
Is there a danceable song you want to share? Oh, yes. I am super into the Maharganat and, you know, belly dance like Mohammed Ramadan. I don't know if you're familiar with any of those artists, but it's kind of like the modern hip-hop rap of the Cairo world. And there's a really great song called Mahargan Bent El Viran. I'm probably saying it wrong, but I will share the link. And it's really popular in the past couple of months. And you know what the Mahargana and the whole Shabi and that type of music, I know there's some purists who kind of would prefer the classics. But now I think it's becoming such a big phenomenon that even in Middle Eastern crowds where there's older people, some of these songs are very mainstream and they have cute little happy, not politically driven statements. Like this one that I'm sharing, it's Bent El Biran. It's about the neighbor girl, roughly translated. And it's super cute. It's about this guy who sees this girl on her balcony and she's just so sweet and so beautiful. And it's a softer side to the gangster rap of belly dance music, I guess you would call it if you don't know. And it's nice because I've been able to use it in restaurants and use it around Middle Eastern crowds and you'll see them singing along to it. And it's very modern. They're like, how do you know that song? Because I think a couple years ago when Mahadganat first started, older Middle Eastern people didn't really want to hear that. <laughs> kind of like the trendy music that's probably has bad words in it. <laughs> but now I think it's different. It's become a lot more mainstream. It's just fun. And I like the hip hop and the beat. And it's very lighthearted and it's like poppy. I don't know. I like it. So Bint al Shalabia, right? The daughter of Sevilla or whatever. It's so Bint al Jiran. It just makes me think sugar and honey. And it's like groovy too. You know, it's repetitive enough for American audiences to really enjoy it. And then of course I listen to the more hardcore ones, the Muhammad Ramadan. We featured that song, Bum, 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 Bum. We featured that in a few episodes ago. I love music. And that's another one of my big whys. Right. Usually about something super dramatic. It really resonates with me you're not in love or love and loss and passion. Even if you don't understand the words, you can feel it in the inflection of the voice. I like that. <laughs> and Sienna, I saw the video of the dance you did to Strange Fruit. Yes. Wow. That was intense to say the least. Living in Florida too. South Florida is a weird place because <laughs> where I live too, it's in Palm Beach. So we're right here where Trump resides. So it's an interesting place because we are in the South. People forget South Florida is still the South. <laughs> you have interesting characters here. And it was just something that I wanted to say. And I mean, right now also, it's a really raw subject constantly. Like that's a whole nother interview topic. Recently with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all of the killings that have been happening. It's not something that's anything new or surprising in my culture, but I feel that now it's being exposed in other circles and I have very mixed, intense feelings about that. And it's driven my whole shift since the pandemic and even which kind of clients I want to take. Honestly, there have literally been clients that I'm like, that's not even worth taking these people's money anymore because we fundamentally are so different. And me training people and getting to know their bodies and the way I am as a trainer is the way I am as a dancer, is the way I am as a woman. And it's intense and I feel it. And it's been soul crushing for me to have to deal with and see. And it's like, you know, even in the entertainment industry, like I said, I could do a whole nother interview on the colorism and being a woman of color that also is a woman who's the more acceptable skin tone. So I've been able to have a career. If I was any darker, I would probably have had more issues than I have with work. 
<laughs> oh my god even just the phrase acceptable skin tone it's just mm-hmm. thank you for talking about that a little bit <laughs> i'm going to include a link to the performance you did to the song strange fruit in the show notes and to see the range of expression and the different ways you can reach people with belly dance to music that you really feel compelled to dance to i just thought it was such a beautiful demonstration of that too thank you yeah and it's a constant struggle right for us as americans to express emotion to music that was not of our culture. I usually express happy emotions. I think that was one of the first times that I really did a fusion piece. I do mostly cabaret and the shiny entertainment side of it. So it felt very different. It felt raw. It still feels raw. It wasn't even enough. Getting that taste of expressing that, it heightened and changed something in me that made me desire to speak up more. It almost feels like a choking, burning shaking sensation even just thinking back to what I felt like it's just different and like I said I value the fun entertainment side of it and I feel now 11 years later with the foundation that I've built and I'm continuing to build like I want to say something else now too Mm -hmm. I got all these chills thank you that was very pure you felt very authentic thank you (laughs) that's really authentic what damn sexy dance move would you like to share damn sexy dance move I'm not very busty or endowed in that area, but I really like a well-placed ribcage lock down (laughs) or a well-placed shoulder roll, like a shoulder shimmy, like any kind of upper body inflection or release. I think it's very expressive and I find it sexy and not such an obvious way, I guess. We do shimmies and undulations and body rolls and all this stuff, but I just think a good well-placed one foot in releve, one foot flat on an angle, and then a little shoulder shimmy, rib cage lock, shoulder roll. That's kind of my little sexy (laughs) go-to. It's so close to our eyes. It's one of the closest moves we can do to our face right I feel like that's part of that chemistry Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, it's the eye connection and the relaxed upper body. And I think that's why everyone loves like the golden era dancers so much. It's like the arms and the shoulders and it's like, yeah, we do all these fun, cool tricks. But I think the sexiest thing that you can do is just like a well-placed upper body inflection. You know, head release or ribcage lock. Very dramatic. <laughs> I can't remember which one of the Salampur teachers, if it was Abby or Mael or Sabria, they also talked about shoulder rolls and how sexy it is. Yeah. A big part of Suhaila's style is the hair whip or the head inflections. And I think aside from the glute squeezes, like if you really watch those performances, it's like the upper body release, the breath and the upper body and all that. So we probably all have like a big appreciation for that kind of drama, <laughs> upper body nice. stuff. I'm not surprised about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> now let's take a moment to dote on delicious whole food that makes us dancers glow. Featured Lighten My Body Food. What is one vegan whole food ingredient that you love? Okay, I was actually kind of excited about this question because I was going to use it to talk about the fact that I live in South Florida and I have a mango tree in my backyard. (laughs) And we're literally overrun with mangoes right now. So we were making a joke. It's like, yeah, mangoes and salad and mangoes and (laughs) smoothies and mango chutney and mango salsa and mango this. I mean, I really don't cook at all and I'm super lazy, but I have been eating a lot of mangoes lately and I put them 
them in coconut milk yogurt with chia seeds and a little bit of raw honey. And that's my breakfast. And that's my favorite yummy fruit on the bottom little breakfast that I do. <laughs> so I'm really happy with all of our mangoes. We've been having to give them to workers on the street because we have so many. Like, it's too easily. Uh, I wish I could send you a box. They're going to all go back. Oh, God. <laughs> I lived in Thailand for a couple of years. And I remember the first time someone brought me mangoes from their tree. And I'd never really eaten a good mango. And it dripped all over my arms. And the mm-hmm. red ants came. And they were biting me. And I didn't care. Because mm-hmm. I was just shoving them in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. And that. that's the key word is a good mango. It's not these dry, you know, uh, gross mangoes that you get at the grocery store that they get them before they're fully ripe like to get one nice and like warm off the tree like that it's just literally everything and now we're coming into the point where we just have to cut them up and freeze them and they will be smoothies for the next you know however many months we have that are like fresh though they are so sweet and so delicious have you ever had green mango salads from southeast asia not from southeast asia but i've had green mango salads and there's also like a latin way they do it here where they do green mangoes with different things like salt or pepper and it's delicious oh yeah i love a green mango salad mm. with like red onions in it and peanuts and lime and some kind of sweetener like coconut sugar or palm sugar and oh and the salt and the spicy oh god it sounds like everything it's like so refreshing that's like mm, yeah that's right up my alley i'm born and raised here i've spent a lot of mango seasons here which is oh. a year you know that's like even a term in the islands it's like you give her a couple more mango Mango seasons to like mature or grow up. So <laughs> yeah, like, my boyfriend just moved here from California a year ago, and I used the term like mango season. He was like, "What?" And I'm always like, "Where are you from?" Like, okay, whatever. He doesn't know. <laughs> I've never heard that. I like it. Give her a couple more mango seasons. And then, yeah, I had avocados as my very millennial obvious choice because I've had to cut out dairy (laughs) in the past year and that gives you creamy everything. And I have an avocado tree in my yard too. But it's a Florida Uh, avocados. It's not the Haas. So they're a little more watery and lower in fat though. So I don't care. I eat them. I put them in everything because I am truly that basic and I don't really cook and it's easy. You cut them up and you mash them up and then it tastes great. <laughs> I'm looking at my backyard, which is basically just where the deer eat. <laughs> I could eat the fiddlehead ferns, but everything else is like deer food. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have like uh, bluebirds that are building their nests in our mango tree right now. Yeah, good choice. Like they want to come and they'll take bites out of the mangoes. Oh, yeah. Oh. Like stop eating our fruit, but okay. <laughs> I'll include like maybe a little backyard video or pictures. You can see my pretty avocado tree. We're pretty much done with mangoes though. So it's just oh, here. What a blessing. Mangoes in the yard, avocados. Let's play dress up. Make you shine, costume tip. What is one costume tip that you want to share? Okay, big lashes, big earrings, and big hair. That's what I like. I'm not a good costumer. I do not sew, but I think no costume is completely finished without big lashes. <laughs> and I guess maybe that's just because I'm from Miami. Like, I don't know. All the Salonport girls actually really do make fun of us because I always have ginormous drag lashes. But I don't really want to look like myself when I'm performing. I literally want to look like something shocking and dramatic. Like I said, that's like maybe a South Florida style, but they always pick on us because we always have rhinestones on everything. Like even the Florida girls will go to train and we'll have matching blue and neon green hip scars or matching gold glitter <laughs> hip scars and Yvonne makes us rhinestone everything. I definitely am one for big lashes and big AV crystals on everything. 
And I think that's probably a little different from Northern California style, but. In upstate New York, or I should say New York in general, where we like different shades of gray. That's how we kind of do it. No, girl, we are like full Miami. <laughs> Actually, Angelique Hainsworth is a upstate New York yep. five dancer. And she always is like, oh my God, your shoes. That's actually should be my costume tip because big shoes too. I dance in heels because I dance in restaurants a lot and we dance in shoes. But I also just like dancing in heels because I do Brazilian samba and, and stuff like that. I'm like three and I got some thick legs. I just like the line it gives me. And I have like a whole collection of totally blinged out heels and Angelique will always be like, oh my God, these shoes. She kind of makes fun of me. <laughs> I just did a photo shoot with her in January. I'll include the pictures from that with this super dramatic cutout neon camo outfit. <laughs> love it. <laughs> That's the entertainment side of me. Put on big lashes and it'll transform your dance. <laughs> yeah. What kind of eyelash glue do you use? Well, I just use regular duo from the store. I know a lot of people use weave glue or false like hair glue for their eyelashes too. That's another hack that I think entertainers use to make them stick because, you know, we have to have our makeup that lasts through a night of humidity in Florida. So <laughs> we probably do have the best glue tips but I just use regular eyelash glue unless I have like a long night then I will use a waterproof or a weave glue the first time I used weave glue I was at a beauty store and I looked at the cashier I think she was like 17 and I went up to her and I said what kind of eyelash glue will last through a rained out parade because that's you know we have a parade in Ithaca and it rains and she pointed to the weave glue and she said I've cried all night with that stuff on her she said something really like, oh <laughs> all right cool that's my rain and the rainy parade eyelash glue right there <laughs> or your humid regular summer florida night dancing outside somewhere <laughs> right florida <laughs> if you have a costume tip to share please send it my way via facebook or an email through my site as will duran said we are what we repeatedly do so let us repeatedly do what the divinely lovely do feel good look good habit do you have a feel-good, look-good habit you want to share? Oh, yeah. So I think pre-pandemic, my feel-good answer might not have been so deep, but I definitely will say my feel-good is saying no without an explanation. <laughs> and I know that's like a little deep, but I've literally been sitting here mostly out of work for like three months. So I've had multiple existential crises <laughs> in that time. And just literally saying no, it makes me feel so freaking awesome. And just being blunt and rude and not explaining it. Or not rude, like I said, even the thought that it's rude to say no without an explanation is something that I'm working on. Just say no. If I don't want to, it doesn't have to be that I don't have time. It doesn't have to be any explanation. Just no. <laughs> cool. Very liberating. <laughs> Do you have an example of that where someone offered you something and you were like, no, and you were done with it? Well, yeah, I think earlier talking about which work I'll accept, there are jobs at certain studios here in South Florida that I don't really like the way they've necessarily handled certain things or clients that I'm just sick of biting my tongue. And when the opportunity comes up, it's not 
like burning any bridges or making any explanation, but just no, no thanks. Like just saying no to certain work or, you know, any opportunity that doesn't feel like something I want to do, but you're like, oh, I don't want to give the opportunity up. Just no. When I'm sitting at home after not doing it, I realized how awesome that was for me to just be like, I don't have to be busy all the time. Like I don't have to say yes and I don't have to help people out. And I don't have to take work that doesn't feed my soul and that literally does the opposite and makes me feel drained afterwards. But I don't think I realized that until being out of work for so long and having major anxiety to going back to things. I would get calls back and it would literally be anxiety for me to think about going back. So it's like, okay, then I just won't, just don't. Like I have the time, but I don't have the freaking will to do things I don't want to do anymore. <laughs> well, that, and you're leaving space for something else to come. Amen. That part. Right? Mm-hmm. That part for sure. Leaving space and then carving out space. I train this branding coach and I have to leave space to gain clarity for my goals that I have coming up and creating space to attract the clients that I want and attract the people that I want. You know, people I want to dance with, people I want to work out with. And just what do I want to offer? There's plenty of information out there, but I have been able to find clarity in the way I want to present it. When I train people, what are they getting? It's more of a results-driven working with instead of just giving this information and then you do it. Or me doing the work for you. I've really found clarity in that I want to work with people that want to show up and work a certain way. They're not looking for someone to do the work for them, but they just need help and guidance guidance like I did I did when I started like I just feel like I'm getting into this new phase of my life being in my 30s which I'm really looking forward to because everyone says the 30s are the best and I feel in my first year in the 30s I can say yeah a lot of things are clicking for me and I'm really happy with the things that I'm leaving space for and it's making me want to carve more and more space like I said when I did the strange fruit performance and then after it left me with this burning desire to say more things and then you just get over overwhelmed and now I'm trying to find clarity on how in the near future I'm going to say the things I want to say and attract the people I want to attract. That's my 30s in a nutshell. Clarity. Yeah. And what I want to give and what my passion is and what my superpowers are. I'm 39. I've just had so much fun with all of that and developing myself in my 30s. Yeah. And then what's been there the whole time is belly dancing. <laughs> yeah. It's not a phase. It's not a season. It's just there. I feel like that's been my constant happiness and place to be is fitness and dance in this way. I feel so fortunate and thankful. Like if I wasn't in the fitness industry teaching Zumba classes, I would have never gotten the opportunity to dance in the restaurants and I would have never met the people that I've met that have really changed my life and I've really learned from and even though it's kind of a crazy time right now I feel oddly calm and you know I have my anxious moments too and my crisis moments but you said at the beginning just like forgiving yourself for that and allowing it and leaving space to live instead of just constantly being on the brink you know which is the modern way of life we're always hustling you know that doesn't really work for everyone that doesn't work for me <laughs> creates a lot of noise that's for sure totally and that's been like a thread like as I'm figuring out my next business move there's so much noise how can I be the little clear beacon of exactly what I want to say yep you've studied at the Salampore School of Dance you're part of that wonderful community and Suhaila and Isabella Salampour have been on the podcast as well as Salampore School instructors Abby Keys and Sabria Tekbilek tell us about that 
So when I started dancing, I only had a fitness background and actually one of my Zumba students needed dancers in one of the restaurants she worked in. And that's how I actually started. I had never really seen a dancer in restaurants. I think I had taken maybe one belly dance class, but I did have my fitness background and my Zumba stuff. So I kind of tried out and, you know, I was cute and young. And so they threw me into restaurants and that was my (laughs) introduction to belly dance when I was like 19. And really early on, I was fortunate because I was dancing with Yvonne, who's a dancer here in South Florida. And she introduced me to the Salampur format and hosted Suhaila for a number of years here. And I was really fortunate because Suhaila has a very all-encompassing program that talks about culture and musicality. So very early on, I was able to fix some errors. I feel very fortunate that I started investing in my dance training, even though I was already technically working as a dancer. And you can be all over the place studying and there's a ton of different teachers that are amazing. But I was really happy to have the Salonpour School because it was well-rounded for me. I needed the dance background training. I needed the musicality and I also needed the cultural part of it. So yeah, I've been with the Salonpour School since 2012. I've also discovered other dancers that have really inspired me from the golden era to fusion dancers because there is such a big versatile community that Suhaila really pushes and inspires us to research. Great. Did you say it was Yvonne was the teacher that brought Suhaila to South Florida? Yvonne is super sweet. She was booking dancers for a restaurant here in South Florida and she would drop little hints. She'd be like, well, you know, you might want to get like a better pair of finger symbols. You might want to fix your bra so it doesn't gap and your costuming. Like, you know, I was really young and she would give me some little suggestions. Yvonne's the one who was like, you know, the sound pours, like they have great symbols. And she kind of dropped those hints. So then when Suhaila came, I was able to hone in and know like, oh, I want to go try this workshop. I heard about this teacher. And I was hooked right at the beginning because it was such a struggle. But I love to be stumped. Cool. Did you see that the Salampur school just launched all online? It's awesome because it's hard to travel every year to do the workshops in California. So it's a game changer. So I'm really excited about the changes and being able to connect more online because it'll help us to get through this very challenging and very detailed program. (laughs) I'm really lucky to live about an hour from Miami. So I'm in the South Florida area and we have a lot of really great teachers, Valerie Molinari and Roshana Nofre, Bojenka, who is in Belly Dance Superstars. But I do remember feeling that I had some natural ability, but because I didn't really have any dance training, things like Shanae Turns, or just being in Releve and like a lot of the body awareness and fluidity of the dance, I wasn't really able to catch so much. And so a couple years later, when I started training with Suhaila, I really did lean most of my resources and time into training with the Salonpour School and also taking ballet classes here locally in South Florida and jazz classes because I felt that I really needed that foundation because I just felt like my dance didn't look as fluid or as clean as I wanted it to. So I did like that there was a big stress on body awareness because it's really given me confidence to be able to go into any stylized belly dance class and be able to pick it up. You know, whereas when I first started with all these great dancers, I felt like, wow, this is kind of a waste because I'm not able to retain it as much because I can't even do basic (laughs) dance moves. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. I can't wait to start my sell and poor school journey sometime. I haven't. I've talked to Suhaila several times. I love her. And I just haven't started her school yet. You got to be ready, girl. You do. You have to be. <laughs> but I think people get kind of intimidated. And I remember having this <laughs> conversation with her where I was spiraling a few years in the travel and the finances. And, you know, life starts coming up. I think I started at 22. And she was just like, calm down. You know, I was making it so much bigger than I needed to because I didn't want to disappoint Mama Suhaila, you know, and I think people think that, yeah, she is a force for sure, but she's very understanding. She's not big on BS excuses, but it's the long haul. People are in the school for years. Recently, when we had our powwow for the new online school, she's like, I just love seeing adult Sienna because like I was such a kid when we first started and your relationship does change and I felt that shift. She really doesn't judge us as much as we judge ourselves and we're like, oh, I don't want to look stupid. She's just there and observing. And I think she does really mirror your energy that you give her. (laughs) So when you're like acting all intimidated, she just kind of observes it. And I think it's mostly in our own heads. At least that's been my experience. Mm Mm-hmm. My first class with her, I remember her saying to me, it's a shame you have such natural ability because you're never going to have to work for it. You're never going to have to work hard and you're a lazy student or something along those lines. I don't remember the exact (laughs) words, but and that really made me to be like, oh, she gets me. And I really like stuck with her since then because it was so honest. And it's like, I am not a very regimented person. I'm a big procrastinator. And she totally called me out on it. I like the honesty. And I think she knows how to handle different personality. She wouldn't necessarily be that way to anybody. But to me, that totally spoke to me and resonated with me. I was like, you know, oh, that's true. (laughs) I've grown a lot. (laughs) Tell us about something exciting that you have coming up. Yes. Well, I actually am really excited about developing my online presence. Being out of work and realizing that I'm in such a client-based industry has really just motivated me to stay home and do the things I've been saying I'm going to do. Like, you know, starting the online live classes. I've actually been able to pick up several private clients since the pandemic has happened. So I don't know what the entertainment industry is going to look like, but I do feel pretty happy and confident that I will be able to revise my offerings to fit whatever this new life is going to look like in the next few months, which for me is exciting. This has kind of put a fire under me because why not take advantage of the opportunities that are there to offer and to share and to really find my people. You know, it goes back to that. Like, oh, wow, I really don't have to just rely on my local things. I'm just working on modernizing myself. Like um, the one millennial that's really not tech savvy. But I think other than that challenge, I'm super excited. And I think it's going to be good. Like even doing this podcast, I'm like, I don't listen to podcasts. I don't do stuff. But now I'm going to start like, I think it's super cool. This is a big step. Like you do this whole thing and it's like, you know, this is great. How many people do you reach by doing this? You know? (laughs) A lot in ways that I'll never know. And that's the same thing with being on stage and doing a performance is you reach people in ways that you'll never know, which is beautiful. You know, that mystery of your gift going out into the world is really exciting to me. Yeah, I'm getting on the bandwagon of this media life because we've been very, very fortunate to be able to stay connected and have all these resources and just got to reach out and take advantage of it. 
<laughs> well, Sianna, it has been so much fun to talk to you and you've given us so many gifts with your words and your insight today in this podcast. So thank you so, so much for being on the show and for dancing throughout the pandemic and throughout your life. And we look forward to seeing what you do in the future as well. Thank you so much, Alicia. I really appreciate it. And I had a blast chatting with you. And I hope that we talk again soon or maybe we can do some Pilates together someday. Yeah. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please subscribe and let your friends know what you got out of this show. Dance with me on YouTube, listen to the music I've selected for you on Spotify, and try some free vegan recipes on AliciaFree.com. This is Alicia Free, hoping this show helped you feel a little lighter.